Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, an international menopause expert, author, and speaker. I help women go from feeling uncertain, uncomfortable, and struggling to experiencing a new sense of confidence, freedom, and vitality. My own story mirrors that of thousands of women that I have connected with through writing my book, speaking engagements, and coaching. Like you, I felt unprepared, unsupported, and at times dismissed by family, employers, and even doctors. That's why I created this podcast as a place of advocacy, offering facts, resources, and a community where you can become more empowered to take control of your menopause journey. Join us each week as we dive into honest, open, raw conversations on the topics that matter deeply to menopausal midlife women. From our changing bodies to our relationships, to dealing with menopause and aging at work and in society. My mission is to help you to tap into our collective wisdom so you can emerge more powerful, wiser, not just older, thriving and ready to embrace wholeheartedly the next chapter in your life. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and today I have an absolutely wonderful special guest. She's been called America's most well-known brain psychologist, number one brain psychologist, should I say. And I know that she has a great passion for women's mental health, brain health, and well-being. Welcome to the show, Dr. Katherine Jackson, or Dr. J, should I say. Dr. J. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here and to have a conversation, I think, at this time when we're hearing so much about women's mental health and well-being under COVID, menopause. It feels like it's compounding. So maybe we'll start a little bit about your own perspective of where women's mental health at this time when there's so much going on? I feel like um, currently more women are paying attention to their mental well-being uh, now more than ever. I don't know if it's because of COVID-19 and being in the midst of the pandemic. And we have so much more time to think about everything. And um, while 2020 really has not been an amazing year for most people. Uh, Personally, for most people, it has slowed us down and made us pay attention to what's most important. And for a lot of women, it looks like paying attention to their mental well-being is part of what they're paying the most attention to during the pandemic. I think that feels really hopeful when I hear that, because I see also on the other side, a lot of women reporting higher levels of anxiety, brain fog, which maybe weren't so much in the discussion for menopausal women a little while ago. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're hearing, I feel more anxious or I have, uh, I'm more forgetful. And I feel very heartened by your conversation there that we are actually seeing women paying more attention. So when I say paying more attention, I'm seeing, I saw an, an, up, an upswing in people coming in for services. 
um, the anxiety that you're talking about, uh, the brain fog, and even lower mood, they are on the rise. But lots more women are actually paying attention to it, I guess, recognizing it and actually reaching out for help. Yeah, and I think that is a big step forward because I, I feel a few years ago, women didn't reach out for the same level of help. Yes, they didn't. And, and if you're a mom, um, <laughs> I think that's even harder because you're trying to balance everybody, everything. And that doesn't mean just a mom of younger kids. I believe uh, moms who have older kids, sometimes they prioritize their adult children over over themselves and over their own mental well-being. And it's, um, it's just kind of like for women, our thing is to put everybody first, to make sure everybody else is good. And I, I have been pleasantly surprised to see more women in my practice and lots more women of color who are actually carving out, at least if they don't do anything else, that hour of, of therapy to work on themselves and for themselves. I think that's amazing. And I think that that's obviously due to the sort of level of profile that people like yourself are creating. And maybe we're also creating an environment that it's now more acceptable to say, I'm not okay, I need help. I feel like the fight against stigma is going to be ongoing, (laughs) but I do see it starting to shift a little bit, which is nice because there's been so much stigma around reaching out for, for help, it, whether it be with a, with a licensed professional who does therapy, with a coach, even reaching out to other people for support in the community. It's just been so much stigma. There's so much out there that, that so many messages out there that tells women we have to be able to do it all and manage it all. And I just think that whole narrative is, is completely damaging. Yes, that's true. And I think women are carrying a hat and have carried a huge load. As you said, it's sometimes our older children, our teenage children that require more of our time than Mm -hmm. little ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sort of wondering, I mean, we obviously we mentioned anxiety and brain fog. Mm -hmm. I'd love to dig into those a little bit more because We hear about brain fog, but Dr. J, what really is brain fog and why does it happen in menopause? Ah, It happens in menopause because, um, you know, like all the the hormones are, are changing. So we have, we have an increase in some of the the, the the chemicals that are going on within the body and within the brain, and then we get the decrease in some of them. So uh, we, we take a drop in the estrogen while testosterone is starting to go up. And with all these different changes comes a lot of mental changes too. And with brain fog, it kind of slows down the processing speed. Uh, that's where we kind of get that uh, memory uh, memory difficulties, so it's hard to remember or recall certain words. Sometimes it's hard to recall people's names, so you end up like on the tip of your tongue trying to remember somebody's name or calling somebody a different name. 
And then there's lots of changes within the ability to focus and concentrate. Um, it, it, it gets a little bit more off. So if you started off with uh, kind of like focus or concentration issues to begin with, once, once a woman hits menopause, then it will become a, a little bit or even for some people a lot worse to really stay focused and, and really hone in on, on, on one thing that they're trying to do. And that can have lots of effects, not only on the fact that you can't concentrate and you can't focus, you can't remember things. It has kind of more repercussions, doesn't it, on the way we feel about ourselves, Dr. Jane? Yes, because we're we're no longer functioning like we used to. And so it makes you feel, for lack of a better word, like like you're less than what you used to be before. But we're still whole beings once we go through menopause and it's just different. So it's just trying to find a different way to manage everything. And so maybe you used to be able to sit for two hours and focus on something and just get it done. So once you hit menopause, maybe then you change to like, you're working a good 15, 30 minutes and you take some breaks just to account for that difference in your focus and concentration. Yes, and that does seem to help, doesn't it, to have to make some shifts in your mm-hmm. behavior in order yeah. to cope. And when you think about it, life is all about transition and making shifts. And this is just, this is just another one for all women who get to live to be a certain age get to this point. That's very true. And maybe making these adjustments now help us as we get even old. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And I, very true. We are, it is just another transition, even though, you know, we talk more about menopause, which is great. You are right. It is just another life stage, another life change. Yeah. But with brain fog, sometimes women get very concerned about that they're suffering from a form of dementia or Alzheimer's. That's not correct, is it, Dr. Jane? No, it's not correct. And if if a woman is with a really good doctor, they can identify that. Um, if it's true a true concern about Alzheimer's or some kind of memory or brain decline, by all means, work with your doctor and get checked out to make sure and rule that out. But most of the time, this is just a normal part of the aging process, a normal part of being a woman um, who enters into perimenopausal, uh, perimenopause or um, menopause. Yeah. And does the concentration or the ability to focus get better once hormones stabilize? It does, even though it may not be exactly where it was in younger years. It can stabilize, and with a lot of different lifestyle changes, you can help it. It may never, for some ladies, I'm not going to say for all, but for some ladies, it may never be quite what it used to be. But the same is true even as men age. None of us stay the same and, and like we don't run as fast <laughs> as we did when we were little. <laughs> like we don't run as fast once we get into our 30s. We don't run as fast once we get into our 50s. And it's just the same thing with our mental ability. You have your stronger mental ability in those younger years, 
but you can hold on to more of the functioning by making some lifestyle changes, being aware and and making some adjustments, like I kind of said earlier. When you start to freak out too much about it, then that impacts everything. It, it impacts how you think about it. It impacts how your brain is is firing and wiring and what types of neural pathways your brain is creating. But if you stay calm and do what you can and control what you can with it, you can get through this and get through it really well. Yes. And I think that's where I often see women start to feel panicky when, for example, Mm -hmm. they can't remember what to say in the office when they miss meetings, triple book themselves and those very common stories, you're right, then they set up a process that makes them feel very concerned. And that becomes then a bigger issue than the brain fog. Mm -hmm. It's the the mindset starts to think something else, and it starts to go a little negative on it. But once you notice some of the changes, and if you suspect that it is related to menopause working with your medical doctor, and if somebody has a therapist who attends to this kind of thing, uh, working with them too can help reset you back onto the positive because life is not over at menopause. That's what, <laughs> you know, gets me the whole taboo that's out there with menopause sometimes and, and acting if, if women have changed so drastically. It's just another shift in life, just like any other shift or transition. I agree. And I think looking and viewing it that way makes us see that we approach it calmly Mm -hmm. and and step by step. Uh, And as you said, it only doesn't last forever. It does not. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I think that's the important thing. And that's a really key message for the listeners. This doesn't last forever. And we don't always have brain fog throughout the whole course of our perimenopause either, do we? No, no. And and the and the calmer you can be with it and working on what you can control with it and having those adjustments to make things lighter. Like I know a lot of women talk about the hot flashes that come with menopause and they don't always last forever. And so, and some ladies don't get it at all. And so if you can make those adjustments so that you can get through that phase, it's so much, so much better and it'll be a lot less then if every time you get a hot flash, you you freak out about it, and then it's worse. And the same is true of any of the brain-related changes that comes with menopause. It won't last forever. Get through menopause with the brain fogs and the mental fatigue and all the other things that come, come with the menopausal brain. You can get through it, and the, the calmer that we stay with it, the better that phase will be. Absolutely. But um, I think one of the other aspects, and I think brain fog is is debilitating and irritating, but I some hear that women really suffer with anxiety, and, and that mm-hmm. seems to be, and I was an anxiety sufferer, and it kind of sideswiped me, and I hear that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. How and why are women really struggling with anxiety? Is it entirely due to hormonal changes, or is it very lifestyle-related as well? I think it's a combination. Some of the hormonal changes may may ignite it, like kind of start it. But um, just like we've been talking about before, it's how we look at it, how we handle it, um, what our response to it is, 
So if you start to notice some changes and you start to, for lack of a better term, freak out about it, then it will be much worse. Actually, when you start to freak out about anything that changes in your life, you heighten the anxiety with it. And things related to menopause, the the brain issues that one may may um, experience, or even the physical ex- stuff that people might experience, if you start freaking out about it too much, that's what stays on your mind. And so your mind is starting to generate a lot of negative thinking, which only heightens that anxiety and the worries. That's very true. And women can have quite different anxiety experiences, can't they? I mean, we can have a very generalized, I'm worried about everything, Mm -hmm. to a more panic attack type response. Yes. They're not the same types of anxiety, are they? They're not. Um, Panic attacks are... um, a little bit different. General, generalized anxiety is, is like just what it name says. It's, it's more uh, worrying about general things. Like you may worry about your family one day. You may worry about yourself another day. You may worry about, uh, which is kind of going on now, the state of the world. Or um, I'm here in the U.S. I know you're in Sweden. You may worry about like the state of the U.S. So it could be, look different at any moment and any day. But panic attacks kind of come on out of nowhere. You are going along about your life and all of a sudden you notice some uh, odd symptoms and you may feel a lot of physical stuff that just seems like it came out of nowhere. And then the thing about panic attacks is that people worry about having that feeling again because it feels, for people who have experienced it, they describe it as feeling really awful. It's like a really, a really bad feeling. And so then they start to worry about having that happen again. Yeah. And having had one, I only ever had one, but it was a very frightening experience. Yes. Yes. And I didn't really think that even to this day, I have any idea what I said or what really happened, except this feeling that I was almost unable to breathe, quite frankly. Yeah. It comes with a lot of physical symptoms for people, and it's different for everybody. Some chest tightening or, like you said, difficulty breathing. I'm glad that you've only had one. And I didn't have it again because I obviously took some corrective action and found some strategies. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I could have been in a messier place. But you're right. And that was not related entirely to my hormones, but my hormones combined with a a very stressful work situation. Mm -hmm. The people who, you know, with no hormonal changes have panic attacks. So it, it really could come from any place. Yeah. That, and I think that's an important thing to recognize that it isn't 100% connected to your menopause, although you can be more predisposed. Yes, that is important to note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might happen to you. But um, in the case of anxiety, do you think that seeking therapy as a, as a way forward is is very advisable? Yes. And it's important for anxiety and anything else <laughs> that we experience because anything left unaddressed only gets worse. Very rarely does something correct itself on its own, especially in the case of um, mental health concerns, which anxiety is. 
And the sooner that you can step in and learn coping skills and ways to manage it, the better it will be. Or else, if you go, like, if you keep going on, like, let's say you notice anxiety in January, and then you let it go in June, and then we get to December, and you still have done nothing about it, it's even harder to treat later because you're so used to having anxiety that even when you try to implement some strategies, your brain is already kind of wired toward it. And it takes a little bit more work to undo it. Ah, oh, that was a really important point to me because I think women do sometimes let it go, don't they? Or mm-hmm. they practice self-help, um, but that may or may not work. It may not. And it's nice if you... I recommend just checking in with somebody because if you start at the beginning, kind of like what you did, you noticed it at first with the panic attack and you put some things in place right then. If you had not, you may have been having more panic attacks and then it might have been harder once you uh, finally decided to get some support or some help or to work on it. It may have been a little bit harder because you're your body, your brain is already so used to this and it takes a little bit longer to undo it. Yes. And, and in that case, I mean, there's lots of different ways that women can approach that, isn't there? There's um, cognitive behavioral therapy and, mm-hmm. and those types of therapies. I mean, is there any particular um, approach that you feel works better or is it dependent on the individual? Well, what works better is different for everybody because something that might work for you may not work for me. But in addition to cognitive behavioral therapy, which has a wealth of research behind it for its benefits for anxiety and other mood dysregulations and mental health concerns, uh, I believe that neural, uh, neural therapy works really well for reducing anxiety as well. And it also helps with memory, focus, and concentration issues as well, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But as we talk about menopause, these are two prominent things that come with menopause. I think some of our listeners might not know what neurotherapy is. So Dr. Jade, love you to summarize that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll try not to be (laughs) long-winded on it. But um, with neural therapy is, is a brain-based treatment where, that uses op, operant conditioning. And so what people who, who do neural therapy, well, patients who actually engage in neural therapy do, they're, it's, it's essentially like playing a video game or playing music or whatever thing is in front of you, whatever stimulus is in front of you but you make it play based off of your brain's ability. And so it's rewiring the way that the brain waves work, your alpha waves, delta, gamma, on and on and on. It's rewiring how those waves work and function so that things that are too high and ignite uh, way too much stuff like, like anxiety or memory difficulties or way too low, sometimes when we start to see things like depression, um, difficulty, like focusing on things, then you can stabilize those brain waves. So it's kind of, 
and like being on uh, what do they call it? like the, the Z scores, where it's between negative 1.0 and positive 1.0. So we're trying to move people towards the middle, which is zero. Uh, when it's in negative 1.0 or lower, it's too low. If it's positive 1.0 or higher, it's too high. And so you're trying to move people towards the the middle. So in that range of negative 1.0 to positive 1.0. Um, anything past those that range is too high or too low, and neural therapy helps to train the brain to, closer to the middle so that the brain waves are operating more stable. That sounds like a wonderful that way. Sense. That does make that does make sense to me. That sort of we don't want to be if we're like overstimulate towards that yeah. panicky, anxiousy, which is quite a stimulated state sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, the opposite is, of course feelings of depression, low moods, um, which is also quite common in menopausal women at times. But that, yes. but that helped me to understand that a lot better. <laughs> and, uh, and it's actually the first time I've heard of neurotherapy because I'm very familiar with cognitive behavioral therapy. It's extremely yeah. popular here in Sweden. It's the go-to therapy. Oh, Wow. It's a big therapy here, too, in the U.S. It's one of the most used therapies, but there are so many other forms of therapy for talk therapy and beyond. Some therapies, like neural therapy, is, is a non-talk-based therapy. Um, you may talk a little bit just to assess what's kind of happening, but it's more just based off of the brain, brain waves and trying to move those uh, brain waves towards the middle between negative 1.0 and positive 1.0. So when it's way too high or way too low, putting it in that range. That sounds like an amazing way forward because some people don't want talk therapy as well, do they? Or it may not be the most appropriate for them. That's very true. Some people are not appropriate. And some people don't just don't share very much, but they still want to um, improve their symptoms. And this is one of the ways that they can do so. I think that's wonderful. Then there's obviously, and for me, it was mindfulness. And I know because I've heard you and we were together on the menopause and mimosa event also mentioned that. And, And I'm, you know, obviously I'm a mindfulness practitioner and I love it. And I've worked with a lot of people. I'd love as you as a, as a clinical psychologist, how does mindfulness fit into the, the, the broader picture of helping women or anyone for that matter? Okay. So when you think about for, for, I'm going to focus on just the women, but it does apply to everybody. But when you think about when women are going through menopause, they don't understand their bodies. They're, they're in a state of not understanding kind of like all the changes, which then in turn makes them feel kind of frightened or some anxiety or, like you said, some, even some depression because things are changing and sometimes there's, there's some difficulty understanding where these changes are, changes are coming from and what they mean for going forward in life. And so mindfulness helps to relax the brain and the body, uh, particularly the nervous system, and keeps you in the present moment rather than being so far in the future kind of panicking, kind of like a gloom and doom type of feeling. And it brings you to the present and uh, keeps your mind here and focused on what you can control now and what you can do 
right now. And I think that's particularly if you have a lack of focus and concentration, that can be a really helpful way to Extremely. keep it anchoring you. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah, and I know for me that when I've had anxiety and I've had quite a lot of clients who do, it helps them to kind of it's a bit like a circuit breaker sometimes, I would say, that that's how it often works. You know, you sort of you're feeling these anxious moments and then you kind of practice mindfulness practices which are appropriate. And it's like they come back into the present moment and the brain kind of mm-hmm. calms down. Yeah. It calms the brain, especially for anybody who has anxiety-based symptoms and, and the focus and concentration. It helps to bring you back into the moment. You feel calmer, and when you're calmer, you can think more clearly. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I know that you've talked a lot about the importance of self-care, and maybe you'd like to share with the listeners a little bit about Maybe some self-care strategies that you feel are particularly helpful for women. I, I think self-care is a must. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with that. Yeah. And pretty much kind of like what we mentioned earlier um, in our conversation, uh, women, we just give so much of ourselves to everybody else. And we leave ourselves for last or we will put ourselves on the back burner, but When I work with women, I don't care what phase of life they're in, uh, young and old women, even young teens, I really try to stress the importance of self-care and taking some time for yourself. We've all heard that analogy of you have to put the mask on yourself first before you can help other people. And that's what self-care does. And particularly for women and moms, I say pencil yourself in like you do everything else. I don't know if you've met these awesome moms out here who they have scheduled their color coded. <laughs> they got oh, everything yes. on the schedule, right? <laughs> yep. It looks really tough and you wonder it's, where it they looks are. Tough and they, they know where to be at this minute, at this on this day. <laughs> they got the schedules so together, but they never have themselves on the schedule. So you have to pencil yourself in on the schedule like you would any other appointment. Appointment for your kids, an appointment for your doctor, an appointment to go volunteer and help somebody. Put yourself on the calendar for time just for yourself like you would any other appointment. And then do whatever it is that brings you some joy. So for me, I really like and and recommend things that will bring inner peace and keep us grounded or kind of like we were talking about earlier, slowing down the brain functioning. So I recommend doing some meditation, doing some yoga, doing some deep breathing during your own self time. But not all ladies like that. So you can even do some things where you're just paying attention to yourself. Have a phone call and connect with your friends. Do some art. It's very good for the brain. Listen to some music. Really good for the brain. So you can do whatever it is that kind of brings you joy and, and nap. <laughs> <laughs> I like okay. that. <laughs> nap. Get some rest. <laughs> so it can be a number, like the list goes on and on and on. But taking time where you don't have to focus on anybody else and you just do whatever your heart desires in the moment. I love that. And I think that is 
Probably my number one thing for, to tell women to do is to make this time for themselves and schedule themselves in mm-hmm. and do whatever. And I love that you mentioned things like art and music because you really focus in the moment, do you? Don't you? When you listen to music or you do something like, I think I was saying to a friend, well, what about knitting or macrame? You know, you're just doing something very different that you wouldn't do in your job for most people. Yes. And it has to be different from your job. Like, (laughs) that is a must. (laughs) People, I love doing this. Okay, but it's still work, right? (laughs) And even things like gardening, or I um, recently talked uh, a journalist and said something about baking. That that could be a mindful activity. I love to cook and, and cooking in the kitchen is my happy place. I have a whole bunch of vegetables waiting on me after I'm done. (laughs) That sounds good. I mean, and it is, it's true. And that's quite a a mindful sensory experience, isn't it? Yes. And any activity can be made into a mindful activity as long as you're fully engaged in it and you're focused on just that thing. And that's very true. I mean, you can do, you could even read a book and enjoy it, you know, that if you don't spend all your life, I mean, I'm not a great one for journaling, and I know lots of women are being told, you must do journaling. And I'm like, I get the pen out and think, oh, this feels like work. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I mean, I'm, I'm a yoga person, and I like to meditate. But I know that's not always easy for people to get into. Yes, I've heard some women talk about how hard it is to slow their brains. And so I just say, you know, it's so hard for them to meditate because they can't slow down their brains. But I say, well, just try it for a couple minutes at first. And then when you notice that your your mind is wandering, just kind of gently bring it back. Don't beat yourself up. Uh, just come back and focus on whatever it is that is the focus of the meditation. Oftentimes, it's the breath. And just a couple of minutes, you know, I think yeah. if they could, if you did five minutes or three minutes. I think I've got yeah. some here at home. Yeah, start, that are, at <laughs> start at one. Well, start, start at one. Well, start at one. Yeah, start at one. I mean, your mind can skip even if it's one. But yeah, start at especially one. Especially for people who have a really, really hard time focusing. Like I, I have friends who have ADHD. And so whenever I try to recommend that they slow down by doing meditation or some kind of mindfulness, they, that's their complaint. And I said, well, just start with like a minute <laughs> and then work your way up. Exactly. One, one minute of meditation. Well, yeah, an ADHD, my stepson is, uh, has ADHD. Yeah. And, it's really low yeah. and you're not going to get like the optimal benefits, but it's a start. As long as you keep, you stay consistent and you keep doing it over time, you can build up on the time. You can. And anyway, it's not a competition, is it, Dr. J? It's no. Not, it, doesn't <laughs> ma- it doesn't matter if somebody can meditate for, you know, they're brilliant and they meditate for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And if you can do one or two, it's all about you, isn't it? It's all about you. You will get the most optimal benefits when you work your way up to 25 minutes. Um, a lot of research shows that for even for deep breathing, 25 minutes or more, And uh, with meditation, the same is true uh, when you get up to 25 minutes. But you're going to get benefits even if you you get 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15, whatever you can commit. It just takes the consistency is what is most important. Uh, That's very true. Well, that's true with everything, isn't it, in life, that Mm -hmm. what we are consistent with, we, we get to embrace and it becomes more of a habit. Yes. 
in a good habit. Dr. Shea, if you had some key tips that you wanted women to take away, I mean, if they were saying, these are some of the key things beyond maybe what we've just taught self-care, what else would you recommend that women did to improve their brain health and help them cope through this transition in life? So I am a holistic brain psychologist, so I believe making those lifestyle changes in the kitchen helps a lot. (laughs) And really paying attention to what you're eating. There are certain foods that will make things worse, whether you're in menopause or not, but especially for menopausal women. And eating more fruits and vegetables and making sure you get enough water is really key during that time. It'll help with the physical symptoms that you may feel, like dryness, and it helps with your brain. Our, our brain is made up of a lot of water, and it needs a lot of water to function at its best. So that's my first tip. And then mindset matters. <laughs> so having a positive mindset will take you so far in life, but especially during menopause. And so when you notice that something is off and you're starting to get a little down on yourself, reach out to the professionals. And then most often these professionals will normalize what you're going through. If you don't let it go on for too long, it won't impact your mindset. And then you have have the work of having to undo a lot of negative thinking. I think those are wonderful tips. Dr. J, we've learned so much from you in such a short time. And oh, thank you. I, I would love to let the listeners know where they can read more about you, get in contact with you, and and seek out your help if that's possible for them. Yes. Um, I have a website, which is just my name, Dr. Dr. Catherine with a C, so C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, jackson.com. You can find a lot of information um, there with me, um, and including where my social media uh, presence is. But I'll just leave the social media stuff, too. On Instagram, it's the same thing, Dr. Katherine Jackson, same as the website. On uh, Twitter, Twitter is always the special one. They don't allow as much <laughs> by way of character, so it's Dr. C.C. Jackson. So just the, the letter C, the letter C, Jackson. And on Facebook, it is Dr. Katherine Jackson, but each, each part has a dot. So it's Dr. Jackson on Facebook. Oh, that's great. Dr. J, thank you so much for coming on and thank sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. And I'm looking forward to us catching up in menopause and mimosas. In- I know. It's going to be a great time. <laughs> I think it is. I think we've got a lot of ladies. So to my listeners, if you're not checked in, get checked in. You get to hear Dr. J talk about some amazing aspects around the brain and menopause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have loved or liked this episode, then I would be deeply grateful if you would head over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating. My mission is to reach as many women as possible, menopausal midlife women who may be feeling alone and asking questions, why do I feel this way? Thriving Through Menopause is all about a community and our collective wisdom. 
you matter to me. Your feedback, opinions and stories matter to me. And I would love to hear from you. So drop me an email, clarissa at clarissachristensen.com. I genuinely want your feedback and your ideas on the topics that you would like to hear more of on this podcast. And if you are a woman who feels that they are struggling alone through menopause and you need more support, pop over to my website, clarissachristensen.com. You can find free resources and you can book a one-to-one discovery call with me. Let's start conversation. Thank you once again for listening. If you're a business owner, you know these sounds mean sales. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. Whether you're fulfilling orders from your home office or warehouse, Stamps.com helps you stress less about mailing and shipping and spend more time doing what you love most. Listening to ASMR. I mean, growing your business. But as you grow, so does the need for efficiency. Stamps.com simplifies your shipping and mailing process. Import orders from wherever you sell online. Find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times. Instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers. And buy shipping and mailing supplies when you run low. Save time and money on mailing and shipping. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the best ever Big Mac burger. Take it away, Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, there's more special sauce in every bite. Rubble, rubble. He said, rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble. Rubble, rubble indeed, my friend. Try the juicier Big Mac and get 20% off any purchase of $10 or more. Only on the app. Comparison to prior classic burgers, limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid once per day. Excludes tax. Must be opted into rewards. ba ba ba